and my dad was like son this is not nirvana (laughs) (laughs) hey thanks for tuning in to episode 40 of the ross trevina project today's guest has a phd in dance and a background in break dancing you may know him as dr moose from team cyber yoga ladies and gentlemen i give you david heller older technology is fascinating like mm. I, I mean it, because that's where it all began but it, it required serious imagination right for for someone to come up with that concept of oh we can we can have this microchip looking device plug in if you will to this piece of metal run an electric electrical charge through it and then all of a sudden you get this image on a television mm. i mean that's revolutionary yeah Real. I mean, and before that, you had these big giant arcade games that are six feet tall, right? That you would that you would play in these in these malls uh, or 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 spaces that that were arcades. And as a kid, oh man, that was my my fantasy land. You know, you just go there, you get to play any game you want, and and there were lots of them, and they, mm. and you know that. Back then, the graphics were very rudimentary. But as a kid, having no idea where video games were going to go, oh, and, know, and, right. and this is way before the internet, mm. and I mean this, like before the internet, I like like uh, before social media, before um, any, any before way before YouTube, um, we had to use our imaginations a lot and i think that's one of the things that fueled my fire for um for for my creative energy as a as a kid for sure um and even as an adult a lot of that a lot of that creative energy still flows through me um and i just in just in looking back at those experiences and sometimes wanting to either re-explore them as an adult like for example going back and reading some of those old books that i read as a kid or playing those old video games that i played as a kid it i mean it's different because now i'm an adult and i've had a whole lifetime of experiences Mm -hmm. you know and it's it's different but i but it but it 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 brings a sense of nostalgia Mm -hmm. but also a sense of like oh this is all coming full circle now and now now i'm here so oh that's awesome um what sort of music did your parents listen to when in your childhood sure um well my parents grew up in the in the uh in the 60s so they listened to a lot of the the classic psychedelic rock bands um and and the popular the pop rock bands at the time so of course the beatles the rolling stones um they were not as into bands like Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd. I actually discovered those bands for myself much later. But there were a couple of bands in the 80s uh, when I was a little, little kid that my dad listened to. Um, and he listened to a band called Dire Straits. Mm. Uh, and he introduced me to the, uh, the album Brothers in Arms. That album still lives within my soul so much because it's my first music memory oh really oh wow yeah 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 and and uh the the other the other um first of my music memories comes from my mother she introduced me to vivaldi the 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 classical uh the classical music uh composer so vivaldi's the four seasons you probably heard it um maybe yeah i think it's similar to mozart and beethoven a a little bit um but uh this 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 has a very um almost like ballet sort of sort of storyline attached to it in in a way and all i mean by that is that you when you hear it you play you, you you place it you place some kind of narrative on it whether it's from your own experience or or maybe you're drawing from something else that you saw um so yeah but anyway um yeah those those were those were my first music memories and my parents were not really that big into music honestly but i 
and neither was I until I until I discovered um, hip hop and underground electronic music. Um, and I, I think that was probably when I was in about sixth grade. So this would have been like the early 90s. So like 91, 92 was when I first started hearing hip hop on MTV. Uh, so what was I, the hip hop that was about at that time? Well, the thing is, um, at that time, gangster rap was really popular. And I I didn't really understand what that was about. What what I what what I really liked, however, were the beats. Mm. I love the beats. I, I didn't I I didn't understand what the lyrics were talking about. So I so I would listen to I would hear uh NWA or Snoop Dogg or um and and I and I I, I but there were certain beats that I really that I really liked, but the but the one hip hop group that I really began listening to and really dug the beats um, were the Beastie Boys. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and it was because uh, I don't know I, I was introduced to them by a, a, a classmate of mine and I, I really latched on to, to them and then then I got into um, LL Cool J and I got into Run DMC and I, I so I I started getting into older hip hop like old school hip hop because those are the beats I really dug. Um, and, uh, eventually I, as I got older, I developed a, a stronger appreciation for nineties, hip hop, mm. thousands, hip hop, all the different decades, you know, and, and the different time periods, but, um, eighties electro sound was what really like brought me in. It just, it just, it made me want to kind of bop my head and, and, and groove a little bit. And this is way, way, way before I started dancing, um, and uh but then i also got into i got into techno and trance um uh at, at a very young age i was i was in i was i think i was like 10 or no i was like 11 or 12 when i when i first heard um the prodigy oh um, yeah 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 uh underworld orbital all those classic you know uh electronic dance music dj producers eventually and eventually i discovered paul van dyke paul oakenfold um and uh again long before i i knew that there was a whole like scene devoted to electronic music um what they used to call the rave scene um okay and and uh yeah it's but those were the experiences that fueled my imagination i mean i had um well just like this i i had a set of you know, headphones just like this mm. when I was when I was growing up, um, and I would just sit with them on for like two hours, just just you know, just zoning out, staring <laughs> at the window, you know. So Please. if I wasn't staring at the screen, I was staring at the window listening to music. Like that's my story. <laughs> Were these uh, tapes or CDs at the time? At the time, I used both. Actually, um, I my first cassette tape believe it or not this is a funny story i i was really into nirvana um mm. i was like Teen spirit but when i when i bought the um the, my first cassette i accidentally bought weird al yankovic smells like nirvana because <laughs> I, I was just i was just a kid i didn't know what i was yeah. doing i was just like what this isn't nirvana. this is what is this and i'm like and my dad was like Son, this is not Nirvana. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh no! <laughs> it's back in the day you couldn't listen to it before you bought it. <laughs> yep. Oh, this is also when parental advisory explicit lyrics was on all the tapes and CDs. Yeah, yeah. So my my that. parents scrutinized heavily what I bought. Oh really? Um, there was oh yeah, there was even one of those parental advisories on the beastie boys uh tape that i just had to have which was check your head it's just because there was like two cuss words in it they never cuss but there was yeah, like there yeah. was like two cuss words in that it's probably so like, fast you can't hear it as well it. <laughs> yeah I, yeah and and um but i had to convince them that it was that it was safe and yeah. you know my my dad listened to it and he's like no okay it's fine okay you know, so. <laughs> um but yeah it's kind of funny um oh uh, that's super funny I do remember those parental advisory uh, stickers on the stuff. <laughs> right. Were, yeah, you spa- were you supposed to buy it with a parent at the time? Or was it just your parents were supposed to look out for them and be like, no, no, no. Um, that's a good question. I, I that... think, 
I felt I like think, it wasn't really enforced at the time. Well, where where I, I lived, think anyway. I was able to buy it on my own. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, I I I just remember. Um, I think they just put those on there. You know, for I don't know. There's some kind of legal stuff that was going on at the time, and <laughs> and it was largely it was largely thanks to thanks to um, you know the 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 conservative political environment that was that was kind of infiltrating popular music at the time and mm. and uh uh but i mean you see what good that did people still buy it anyway and they still they still you know consume it <laughs> love it and it's great you know so yeah yeah i do remember there being a lot of fear-mongering around like marilyn manson a while yeah. ago um and also i don't remember who she went after but there was this figure i she might have been in England, maybe, that um called Mary Whitehouse. She was an old lady who used to spend all her time like sort of trying to get like pieces of art pulled. And I'm pretty sure she went after the film Scum. I'm not sure if you've seen that film. Mm, I don't, I don't, what is it? Uh, it's it's about um uh, Borstals, which was like child prisons and how they used to Ooh. be run was really brutal at the time. Well, I mean, like, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that sounds like it was a social justice type of film that, that really needed to be made. But, you know, of course you're going to have folks that are like, well, we don't want to see that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, for sure. Like, okay. Yeah. But <laughs> then you're just ignoring the problem and you're just sweeping it under the rug. And uh, yeah, that's a whole other thing, but yeah. Like, so where did the name Moose come from? Moose has been my nickname since I was a baby. Uh, my father gave it to me. <laughs> Did you look uh, like a moose? <laughs> no, that's the funny thing. My my dad has a very odd sense of humor. Um, so when I was when I was a baby, I I was very small. I was mm. I was a, and um, my my father thought that I looked like a girl. Mm. So he wanted to give me a masculine sounding nickname to empower me, I guess, <laughs> or maybe it was just amuse himself. Um, but that nickname was just between my father and I until I was 18 years old. I didn't share that nickname with anybody. Managed to keep it on the but down low. <laughs> I did. I, you know, cause it, cause it, it was, it was embarrassing. I just didn't really, I didn't really have much use for that, for that name. Um, but one day I was in my driveway and I was, uh, practicing break dancing at the time. This is the first year that I started dancing. I was with two friends of mine and we're just practicing in the driveway. And my father yells out the window from his third story uh, study. So we had three floors in our house. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, Moose, take out the trash. And I'm like, all right. You know, and my friends are kind of laughing, but they're kind of confused. Like, did he just call you moose and i'm like uh, yeah but that's just between my father and I'm, oh you're b-boy moose i'm like no and so that name kind of stuck uh at least between my close friends uh it's it's not something i i shared with too many people um uh until really until i went to hawaii um, and then I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm B-Boy Moose. Um, and then it became Dr. Moose when I moved here to Philadelphia to earn my, my doctorate, my PhD in dance. That's all those degrees up there. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So I've got my, that's, I've got my bachelor's right there from the university of Kansas. That's oh. actually in journalism. Oh, oh, wow. I've got my master's degree from the university of Hawaii. All right. And then I got my my phd my doctorate in dance from temple university here in philly so once you've got uh one in one subject you can build on top of that and go to another subject well that's a great question when i when i went back to school for dance um that was five years after i earned my my bachelor's degree so that time period of my life was very challenging um i was living in hawaii at the time um I got to say something, living in Hawaii and visiting Hawaii are two very, very different experiences. Um, it's incredibly challenging to live in Hawaii for many reasons. The, the one especially is that it's very expensive. Um, really? it, the, the cost of living there is high. Um, and when I first moved there, I didn't know anybody. Yeah. I didn't know a soul. And, and um, uh, but 
when I when I did go back to school, I was 30 years old at the time. And because I had not had undergraduate dance courses, I had to take undergraduate dance courses so that I could become proficient in modern dance because that's the that's the dance form that is taught at most major universities. So even though I was coming in as a break dancer and a popper and a liquid dancer, I, I, they didn't teach any of those skills. So I had to learn a completely new style. And it was so challenging because number one, I was the oldest person in the class. Mm. I, was, I was in there with a bunch of 18, 19, 20 year olds. Um, and they had all had modern before. So if you can imagine someone like me, and yeah. also the other the other challenge was I was usually the only the only dude in the class, mm. um, which which that I mean so initially I was very uncomfortable, very very uh, shy and and uh, and 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 just just kind of I just felt out of place in mm. the beginning, um, but I stuck with it. And, the, and, a, and a really amazing thing happened after three years of training in modern, just the basics, just the foundations of it. I became a better dancer. I became mm. a stronger breaker, a stronger popper, a stronger liquid dancer. And it was because that form helped me uh, see where my holding patterns were, where my weaknesses were. Um, and, um, it, it, and it also helped with my posture as well. Mm. I mean, I, I used to slump a lot like this from carrying a heavy bag over the years, but you know, now I, now I, now I stand up straight. I sit up straight. Usually while well, I mean, I'm leaning here, but this is, that's, that's, that's purposeful. I'm not, I'm not like not doing that. So. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, those experiences were extremely humbling, but they were also very rewarding. When I was in Hawaii, I actually had the chance to travel twice. Um, we traveled from Hawaii all the way to Trondheim, Norway, mm. one 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 uh, one semester, and I I presented a uh, my 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 thesis research, which was on rave culture. Wow! Really? Uh, wow! Yep. Yep. I wrote I wrote a thesis called "I Rave: Digifrenia's Transformation of a Culture." So what I was and what's digifrenia? Okay, that's a term that comes from Douglas Rushkoff, um, who is a uh, he he is a an American cultural studies uh, theorist and and uh, and historian, and he talks about how the digital realm, meaning phones, internet, every anything anything related to technology, is changing the course of how we consume music and 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 dance and culture and so what i did was i i looked at how technology has either improved or hindered or at least impacted the rave scene because what i saw was this amazing community and scene that i came up with in the in the early 2000s totally disappear one day hmm. um and it was because of partially because of technology, partially because of, of these, these, these laws that, that kept the parties at bay and forced parties into nightclubs and that sort of thing. But then it, I, I'm sure you, you, can, you can probably relate to this. Back in the 90s and early 2000s, raves were essentially illegal parties that you had to learn about through word of mouth and then with the with the era of youtube and the cell phone with cameras on it you couldn't have parties like that anymore because because everything's out in the open um and so i kind of explored some of what was going on there and why and um but the interesting thing is uh after i wrote that i began looking at what was happening now with or well you know within the last 10 years hmm. with, with this technology. So a shift has occurred. Um, the, the, the rave culture and music and creative expression is still alive and well and thriving, but now it's in festivals. Hmm. That's pretty much where, 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 the, where all the creative energy is. And in some ways it's better now because it is more accessible. It's safer. It's no longer in these seedy nightclubs or, 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 you know, uh, discussing venues, yeah. warehouses. You know? I mean, 
there's a big part of me that really misses that vibe and that era and that time. But sim but simultaneously, I, I've really begun to appreciate what's happening now because at these festivals, you have the opportunity to meet all these dancers and all these musicians, DJs, and then have and then take workshops together. Like you can you can step away from the music for a while. Mm. You can spend days at a time at these things, camped out, and then actually get to know the people there so much deeper than you would at a one-off event where you're there for like maybe where it might be an eight-hour event but when the event's over you gotta wait till the next one yeah and for sure. and, and you know how so you know how that goes um <laughs> anyway so i wrote i wrote my my thesis on that um fast forward to uh earning my doctorate at temple university i wrote the first dissertation in history on liquid dance you know what liquid is i know liquid drum and bass i don't know if that's what you're referring to no no liquid dance is actually a hand-based dance form where where one hand follows oh, the oh i can see why so, that's called liquid yeah yeah yep it's <laughs> absolutely stems, yeah it stems from glow sticking oh, uh, okay. basically if you if you hold glow sticks you can create all these tracer patterns but somebody figured out that if you put the sticks down yeah can actually create a lot of the same kinds of lines and patterns with your fingers um oh, okay. and and it, it it all started with hand flow but then it moved into like threads and and and, and rails which is like creating these lines and shapes yeah. contours around the body i mean i'm not gonna do it all but like you know you get the idea um i think i would have called anyway, that uh, fish hands <laughs> fish hands this is it ah dope so it's called, can, can, I don't know if you can see that. Uh, what's it say? Oh, press can the flow. It? Oh, pass the flow, the subculture practice of liquid dance. Oh. Yep. So, yep, 200 pages. Is that yep. up online for people to read? It is. Uh, it's, it's, it's on, um, it's on this, it's on this uh, university run library system called ProQuest. you can actually access it and read it on there that's that's where it's that's where it's published um if anybody's interested in 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 you know obtaining a copy for me they can just private message me and i'll send it to them as long as they don't put in putting in any of it online yes. so someone else puts um, their name on it <laughs> yeah I, well you know intellectual property all this, yeah. all this stuff I'm, I'm always a little cautious about who i who i give out my my material to but oh, yeah, for sure, I mean, man. yeah it's but I mean, you know, I, that, that's, that's, uh, you know, about four and a half years of blood, sweat and tears um, and, and a tremendous amount of debt. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into that, but <laughs> let's just, let's just say those degrees are expensive yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, but, but, but worth it, you uh, know, okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So. I uh, know. So let's take it all the way back. Like what first drew you towards like break dancing? Mm, okay. So breakdancing is a very interesting story. Um, I didn't even know it was still around when I saw it because the, the only time I'd seen breakdancing was in, was in a movie called Beat Street, which came out in 1984. Um, and uh, prior, and then after that, um, I just didn't see anybody doing it or, or, or anything. Then I saw bits and pieces of it returning in skateboarding videos. Like I saw a guy doing a, a windmill and a half pipe. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Oh, and the movie, The Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler, which came out in 1997, which was about the 80s. There was one scene with breakdancing in it. And I kept like rewinding really? over and over again just, just to watch that, that scene. <laughs> yeah. But then in 1999... I was a senior or going into my senior year of high school. It was the summer between my junior and senior year. And I'm at a, I'm at a friend's house. I'm at a house party, uh, which I never do or never did really. I, but I, I, I decided to go mm -hmm. to a house party. Um, and, uh, I was there having a good time. Um, and, uh, this random dude just pulled up <clears throat> into the driveway towards the end of the party. And he had this big piece of, linoleum kitchen flooring uh rolled up and on top of like strapped to the top of his car and uh he he un he unraveled it 
duct taped it down into the concrete driveway. And then he took out this big stereo ghetto blaster boombox, popped a cassette tape in, <laughs> and he played Run DMC, Grandmaster Flash, Beastie Boys, all the classic 80s hip hop that that I had no idea was even still around. And this guy started spinning on every part of his body, okay? (laughs) His knees, his feet, his hands, his neck, his back, his head. And I couldn't, I, 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 like, he was moving like he was from another planet. And in that moment, I fell in love with dance. Mm. I fell in love with breaking specifically in that moment, but I really fell in love with dance in that moment. It was like discovering what I had been looking for my whole life and not realizing what that was that I was looking for until that moment. That moment in my life is arguably the most important moment of my life. So it's like you saw God. Yeah. But instead it yeah. was like a perfect I would like, I would oh, wow. equate it to that. I would equate it to that, honestly, because because it's your burning um, bush. <laughs> yeah, because that day I begged him to just teach me one move, and he and he he taught me the baby freeze. Do you know what that is? No. I'll show you. Real quick. <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. Yep. Why is it called a baby freeze? Is because it, is it kind uh, of it's like a fetus but I <laughs> no it's actually it's, it's an interesting story um that's kind of funny i guess you could interpret it that way um the the, the way i understand it um because all these all these breakdance poses or freezes footwork they all have names mm. um the the uh i believe it's called the baby freeze because it's named after after a b-girl b-girl baby love Oh, okay. um, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. There, the the thing the thing about some of these names is you can you can always trace the roots back to where some of the the OGs you know who started it all. Uh, they they either named it or somebody, but sometimes the names change with time. So, for example, windmills, mm. uh, the continuous backspins and kicks. Those those were once called helicopters, um, and and uh, so names actually do change over time. Mm. Um, and the other thing is the roots of breaking. Most people attribute it to the '80s. Its roots are actually in the '70s. That's when it mm. started, like way like way before um, uh, the uh, the the movies Flashdance, Beat Street, and um, Breaking and Breaking Two, the Electric Boogaloo actually brought it to the mainstream. You know, it just it didn't it didn't just form in a vacuum. It, it formed from other dance cultures and and other. And, but it primarily came from black and Latino youth mm. who were living in New York and specifically the Bronx. Oh, um, and uh, and, you know, eventually it, it spread beyond those neighborhood house parties. Just like I was introduced to in Manhattan, Kansas, of this is it's a miracle i saw it you know in 1999 when when the the dance style was essentially dead at least in in the us mainstream it was not dead at all though it just went underground in fact europe in the uk at the time uh specifically uk germany france it was huge in the late 90s already mm. um and uh you can you can attribute that to uh folks like b-boy storm um of uh i think i think his crew is called it's either enemy squad or um oh gosh see now i'm blanking on this crew name but that's okay but he's from germany um and and uh he he was one of the he was one of the folks that really like pushed the art form and kept it alive and going during the 90s um especially when the mainstream media wanted nothing to do with breaking but then all of a sudden in the early 2000s even late late 90s it started to reemerge in films and and commercials again mm. um it was in, it was in music videos again i mean it was in like a christina aguilera video um you know like which which uh that was like in what 99 or 2000 um 
but yeah, and and then of course, you know, you got served came out, which repopularized hip hop dance period, but it also repopularized breaking. And by the way, that's an interesting segue into into Lamont. Mm, Lamont, I was going to say he was in. You got there. served. Yeah, um, and uh, he was one of the featured dancers in that movie. He is the guy that does a head slide across the floor, and one of the guys doing continuous head spins, and he's also doing hand hops. <laughs> he's ridiculous. Uh, uh, Lamont is. Uh, I met him in, uh, oh, by the way, just to give everybody a, a little context here, Lamont Good is the founder of this, Cyber Team Yoga. Yogi, yeah. Yep. So, and I, I met him in 2003 in Los Angeles. That was the first time I met him. I was visiting my father who lived there at the time, and uh, he was doing a street show with his crew at the time uh in on uh, venice beach and i just i just went there and watched the show and then um but right afterwards they had they had you know a little music going and so i, I kind of just jumped in did my thing it's like oh that's dope and i'm like yeah, no i was like no you're dope like you're amazing like like I'd, I'd like i'd love to i'd love to session with you at some point and he took me to a a coffee shop uh about a, a, a couple days later and there was a drum and bass event there it was amazing, like just just random drum and bass DJ, and like it was dope drum and bass. I mean, I mean like hardcore, you know, fast, gritty drum and bass. And so we're in there just breaking, having a great time. Um, and that was that was uh, that was the first my first real encounter with Lamont. But I did not see him again until 2016. So 13 years later. He's here in Philadelphia, um, mm. and, he, and he came here to perform for a mutual friend of ours, Rafael Xavier, for okay. a big, giant uh, uh, dance performance that we were going to perform in downtown City Hall. Um, and uh, so I got to spend a significant amount of time with Lamont and, and, and um, just, just during the rehearsal process, we got to, we got to talking, we, we became friends. Um, and then after that, did you both uh, remember each other from the first meeting? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We knew, we knew, we knew right away. Cause I was just like drum and bass. And he's just like, yo, <laughs> like, oh, yep. So, um, <laughs> And it was just, it was just crazy uh, to get to, to get to see him again and to, and to this time have, have, have a real, uh, you know, connection uh, through conversation, through dance. Um, and, and this is back in 2016. Oh, wow. um, and uh, fast forward four years to last year, high to the pandemic. Mm. Um, I post a video on my Facebook page just of me doing, you know, some liquid and 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 just just what I what I always do. Um, but he particularly liked this video, mm. and uh, Lamont messaged me and he, he just said, "Hey, um, how would you like to join the Cyber Fam?" And I'm like, "What's like, this? Yeah. <laughs> What's the Cyber Fam? <laughs> is this?" is this uh is this in reference to terminator 2 cyberdan systems like you know and, and he's just like I, well it kind of is and it's, <laughs> uh, it, but it's cyber yoga and i'm like okay and and so i was introduced to um so i'm the newest member of cyber yoga um oh, okay. i was introduced to chuck uh um and uh, you interviewed uh lamont and chuck recently and silvana you silvana, also yeah, yeah. You, all, you also interviewed silvana have you interviewed desiree yet no no okay yeah um so yeah it's so it's so, so there's five of us total right oh, okay. now um and uh so i so i was introduced to each of them and they're all amazing wonderful people um they're 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 now my extended family um oh, we support sweet. each other through and through um literally every day mm. we just check in on on instagram we have we have a little private chat um we just tell each other good morning we share we share like a little quote or a story um chuck in particular has uh i'm sure he told you this but i'll just emphasize it he he makes daily videos yeah, daily <laughs> inspirational videos <laughs> His tagline is "Let's get this day started, and let's get this day started right." Yeah, <laughs> and um, 
Chuck is amazing because he is he's also the glue to this whole team. Like he calls me twice a week just to check in with me. Um, you know, oh, and see really how I'm doing. Yeah, definitely. And um so Silvana, oh man, she is just so wonderful in her approach to um bringing this this organic experience of human connection together she's she she interviewed me as well and, and she's done a lot of interviews of of just like you're doing actually which is which i really appreciate you know she's bringing she's bringing to the forefront uh people who are of a growth mindset who are really wanting to like change the world for the better and and also help themselves and everyone around them and Silvana is is just doing that so brilliantly with with her with her interviews on Instagram and everything else that she does um, in uh, Canada because uh, she lives in uh, Montreal. Yeah. Um, and then and then there's Desiree, um, who she has um, she has her own practice called the Ripple Effect, um, which is basically paying it forward. Um, you know, like reaching out and um connecting with someone so that they then connect with someone and they connect with someone and that's and that's kind of the the philosophy behind that and and desiree has also just been um a tremendously positive in, uh, influence in my life as well especially when i first got into cyber yoga she she um introduced me to a lot of different um concepts of of uh of how to meditate and and how to you know fuse both your your mental state with your physical state with your emotional state and in a way that can be enhanced by Lamont's techniques with with um with stretching and 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 uh, and all of his his crazy extreme you know balance stuff that he does on his arms and his head and it's just it's, we're all connected you know and my contribution is 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 through dance um particularly now lamont and chuck uh, all three all three of us were break dancers so we all dance um and uh for me uh i i've taken dance to the level where i i teach it in the universities and i teach it in in private studios and I teach it online as well. Um, and my goal in in teaching is to actually learn as well through the process of teaching. I will always be a student. Um, every every student that I teach, I learn something new, either about either about the student or the dance form itself or or me. Mm. And it's always an exploration. It's a shared experience. So I I what what we have all done is because we were all ravers, like we were all old school ravers. We've taken peace, love, unity, and respect, and we have transcended that across time and space. And now we are living in this philosophy of cyber yoga, which is connection and higher states of being between human beings. I that's that's how I personally interpret it. Um, and I and I think that it's it's a constant uh, it's a constant joy really to just be connecting with with people left and right through this and yourself included ross i mean i'm really really glad to you know be talking with you about all of this and it's just yeah i'm really glad that you reached out no so. same man it's been a blast yeah tell, tell me about these awards you won my oh uh, oh the the trophies yeah or, like uh, oh okay well, sure. Um, this is a very interesting year for me. Um, <laughs> I uh, normally I don't I don't participate in dance competitions because I'm just not a really competitive person. I never have been. I I love going to dance battles and and just dancing in the ciphers or you know the dance circles between the battles and and just observing sometimes i'll enter very rarely do i actually do well at these things mm. um but there were there were some competitions that happened this year that i decided to just to just put myself out there and enter they were formatted a little bit differently than than um a battle where you're pitted against one another or at least two of them were the first one actually 
which there's no visual vis, visible evidence of this, but the first comp, the first dance competition that I won was um, a competition called uh, Armageddon 2021. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the thing is, um, I didn't win the whole battle at all. Um, uh, this other this other amazing dancer, Riley Locker, uh, she's this amazing vulgar house dancer. Um, she just blew everybody out of the water. Um, but that night, what I ended up earning was uh, best cipher energy of the night. So I was just like, oh, cool. That's that's nice. Because I, you know, I was just doing my thing during the, you know, in between the battles. I actually entered that competition too. And I, 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 uh, I think I won, I won my first round and lost the second, but, but I, you know, I, I wasn't really there to, compete like that i just i just wanted to you know bring my energy and and um and just keep you know uh keep the vibe alive uh so that was that was the first competition um the second one so how, uh, how, if if she won how come you ended up winning or did you just she won first oh it was a completely different prize that was given out she won the oh, entire okay. she won the entire battle uh yeah. like she literally she literally worked her way up to the top uh my what i was recognized for was what i was doing in between the battles like so yeah like mm. she she took the whole thing like she took the grand prize like she like this trophy she had was enormous like 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 those are nothing like this this trophy was like <laughs> as tall as she was almost <laughs> like it was it was yeah it was it was really ridiculous um so um yeah, uh, and then um, the other the other two uh, were um, they were performance battles. So um, uh, we we actually had to come up with choreography for for these, and um, I won best solo performance for for two other competitions here in Philly, uh, and and one of them uh, was for um, this uh, it was called Jenkintown Showdown, and um, I'm I'm now. A, uh, a member of Checkmate, which is the which is the uh, the dance crew that actually hosted that whole thing. So, yeah, it was really really amazing to to be a part of that. So, oh, nice! I had a fucking uh, fucking I said, I said fucking instead of a couple. I had a couple of um, questions about uh, breakdancing. So, if you were to if you were going to teach someone breakdancing from the beginning, what move would you teach them would you teach them the one you first learned or would is there a different move you would teach them no 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 i would i would start with top rocks um that's 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 the footwork where you're in a standing position um that's that's the foundation of where the dance comes from so top rocks are essentially steps that are taken from um uh uh black and latin dance forms um so there's definitely some salsa bachata merengue influence um and uh it's but there's also some martial arts influence as well um specifically from capoeira and kung fu um <clears throat> the steps for top rocks are actually fairly simple to learn they're not they're not too difficult mm -hmm. um but once you get on the ground and you're 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 pumping your your arms and hands you know from one side to the other that's when it gets um it gets tricky because you know uh you have to shift your weight and you have to you have to be able to balance you know on your on your hands and um so actually you know what i'll show you one thing really quick yeah um, go for it. That actually that actually helps with with um when you're training can you see can you see me on here yeah actually, just fine yeah. okay so so when you're doing when you're actually like putting weight on your on your hand you want to you actually want your the palm of your of your hand to be up. So if you're flat-handed like this, mm. what happens is you you lose height, right? And you also want to be up on the toes. But if you're up here, mm. you uh you can be you can be a lot quicker on your feet. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, okay. So like this is this is essentially like this right here. This is this is a training aspect of, of breaking. Um, and frankly, I will be I will be honest. And uh, for a long time, I didn't do that um, because I, because I wasn't taught the right way. I I learned um, I, I learned by pure observation, and it wasn't until I finally just 
took a step back and I'm like, okay, I've got to clean up my footwork. It's got to look better. Um, and so, yeah, so now I'm, now my footwork is flying. It's, it's looking a lot cleaner than it used to. Ah, dope. And, uh, oh, I've forgotten the other question I had. Oh yeah. Um, in regards to choreography, I saw on a, I can't remember. It was some kind of website page that you had. Um, you said, uh, you've done a bunch of, uh, choreography for different, I'm not sure if it's shows or like videos or saying what like um how does so, yeah how does the idea for what you're gonna what moves you're gonna use in a piece where does the idea for that come from oh well it well it depends it depends on on what it is that i'm that i'm doing so like right now i i'm teaching at two different dance studios they both want commercial hip-hop um which is essentially um taking you know movements from different aspects of hip-hop dance which includes breaking popping locking tutting body isolations is basically what they is what they're looking for um definitely not something that i teach as much as the foundations of say the funk styles which is which is like you know breaking popping tutting and then of course liquid which is you know the rave style mm -hmm. um but uh, my my motivation with choreography is always the music. I always start there. Um, so depending on on what kind of song they're looking for, it, it, it depends on you know does the song have lyrics? What's the tempo? Uh, what's the what's the style of music? Um, and uh, and then of course who's dancing? That's the other thing. I mean it, you know it, because sometimes or rather quite often you know I might hear I might hear a, a song. And depending on my mood, I might dance to it a certain way during during the day. And then, you know, because you you can you can dance to anything. I mean, I you know I I break dance to trance. You know what I mean? Um, mm. Sometimes even uh, classical music if I feel like it. You know, a, a lot of a lot of breakers like to stick with you know the uh, the breaks, um, which is which is like that's that's where the that's where everything is right now, at least in the competitive world. Um, it used to be, it used to be done primarily to rock and funk because that's, that's, that's the roots of the, the musical roots of breaking right there and disco. Mm. Um, but uh, now it's, uh, it's primarily done to uh, uh, breaks that are produced by, by DJs who um, like DJ Flag lean rock fox boogie um they're, they're they're the really popular ones that that are played primarily at battles and a lot of practice sessions because that's what a lot of breakers are training for you know they're, they're training for that battle that competition so they're learning those beats so well that they can hit the little thing you know when it happens like the little the little uh subtle transitions that are that are within there um so but my motivation with choreography uh always stems primarily from the music but it also stems from my connection with the dancers i like i i want to establish a connection with them and 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 figure out okay is there um is there a way that i can um that i can learn more about the dancers individual flow their interpretation of the of 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 the music or the lyrics and then find a way for me to place movement on their bodies so that they're comfortable with it and that i as a viewer can determine okay that looks dope or that looks whack you know or and and real and it really is kind of a give and take thing because i have it and it's also a um uh, a trial and error type of type of process you know there's because quite often i'll 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 have an idea of what I want to do and it won't stick. So I have to move on, you know, and, 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 and try something else. Mm. Um, so such is life, right. You know, we all, we all tried. Tried and error. Yeah. So what you got coming up? What do I got coming up? Uh, well, I have a, I have a, I have a series of dance workshops that I'm actually developing right now. Um, I, I, I don't have any dates for it just yet. Um, I'm still in the process of trying to figure out um, how I'm going to be uh, doing them. They'll probably be Zoom classes. Mm -hmm. um, 
And uh, but I know that they're going to be specifically about liquid uh, because that's something I, I just love teaching. And uh, it's it's a very accessible dance form online. You could literally sit in your chair and, and do liquid if you wanted to. Um, but again, it, it as a as when you're dancing with it, you need to be standing and moving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, um, and I I may be doing um in a, I might I may be doing a class or two on on foundations and breaking um, but uh, I I haven't decided if that's going to be part of it yet. But I think liquid is is the form that I'm really interested in in um in in forging forward and pushing right now because I think it's a dance form that really connects uh, individuals very well. It's also a non-competitive dance form. Uh, and that's, and that's more me in, in, in a sense. Um, even though I love breaking, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't break to compete, mm. you know, um, I break just because I love it. Um, yeah. I definitely love performing that, that don't get me wrong. I love performing for other people and other dancers. Um, yeah. but, but competing, no, this is not really my thing. Um, even though, even though I, I truly appreciate it um don't get me wrong I, I think i think competition can certainly bring out the best in in people and it it's it, competition definitely elevates any dance form mm. um but you know you got to be in it to win it or get the hell out of the circle you know what i mean like it's you know or, or just watch mm. and i usually just support my in my ways by <laughs> dancing in the cyphers and and um maybe having an informal little competitive you know flow between or exchange between dancers um yeah. that, I, that i know or don't know sometimes that happens too but yeah oh nice uh any words of wisdom to leave me with before i let you go okay <laughs> <laughs> words of wisdom yeah. what, what do you well, how about oh okay um how about do what you love and love what you do that's i mean <laughs> that's really that's really how i live my life man um you, you know i've been i've been doing what i love for about 22 years and i wouldn't take a single experience back even though even even my failures and 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 challenges that i experienced that I, that I've had over the years. Um, it's made me who I am today. And I tremendously thank you for reaching out to me and, and, you know, having a, a, a conversation with me about all, all these things, because it definitely, um, helps me see where I am in, in the grand scheme of all things. And it, but it also allows me to connect with somebody like you um, who I've obviously just met through my social circle. And, you know, it's, it's very, it's very interesting how, how, how we're all connected. Hey, thanks for listening. And thank you to David for joining me. Go check him out on Instagram via the links below, as well as the links to follow the show to keep up to date with all that's going on over here right now. And that's it from me. Okay, nice one. Bye.